Praise the Lord, everyone, and welcome to the Sanctuary of Quest Church. We're so thrilled that you have joined us tonight. Listen, something prolific and prophetic is going to transpire over the next few moments of time. I'm going to ask you to lean in tonight with your faith. Believe God to hear from Him in a way that's going to project you into your prophetic future. Tonight, generational curses are going to be broken, and generational blessings are going to be released. Your life is going to be changed as a result of you watching and participating with us tonight. I want to caveat just on what Christian and Josh said. Hit those thumbs in those hearts, please. Please share this. Your friends need to hear this. Maybe tag a friend in the comments, but get people involved tonight. Participation is important. We're believing God to reach the globe with the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we've had some incredible guests over the last few weeks, from Ron Carpenter to Samuel Rodriguez to Pastor YPJ. In a few weeks, we have Real Talk Kim to join us on the 27th. Next week, Tony Miller, Lynn Hiles. Tonight is going to be a powerful night. I know these three guys, and I consider them to be friends and brothers in the Lord. And let me say something to you. There's a, there is a common denominator among these guys, and here's what it is. They are very, very passionate about their purpose in the earth. These guys preach with fire. They bring the anointing when they minister, and it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. So I want to welcome you guys tonight. I know you're busy. I know our schedules are hectic. And you took time out of your Monday night to join us. And I just want to tell each one of you, thank you for that, because I know how precious time is. So I want to welcome tonight, first of all, Pastor Brandon Clack from All Nations. This guy, we, I could go on and on about each one of these guys, and we don't have a lot of time tonight. He pastors in Memphis. They started a church also in Nashville. He's a powerhouse, and he and his wife are a power team. And then Pastor Miles Rutherford, also from Atlanta, Georgia. Pastor Miles, we love you. And Elena, of course, our families run deep. And I'm thankful that you took time to join us tonight. And then Pastor Ronnie Joe Harrison and his incredible church, the Kingdom Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Powerful preacher. All of you guys, thank you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Let me begin by going to Isaiah chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse 11 and 12. And, you know, we went into 2020, 2020, everybody was preaching the year of vision, and the year of vision turned into the year of the virus, and from the virus to the year of violence. And uh, we went from the pandemic to pandemonium, ran up into Pentecost, and now we're kind of peering into what does the prophetic future look like. When you look at Isaiah chapter 21, verse 11 and 12, there's this region called Duma, which means silent or to be silent. And there's this region called Seir, S-E-I-R. And there's a cry that comes out of Seir, which means to be goat-like or to be stubborn, over to Duma. And the cry is, watchmen, watchmen, what of the night? What of the night? One version says, what about the duration of the night? Or how long will this night be? Night in Scripture is always symbolic of adversity, adversity or spiraling down. 
Um, and the response comes back, inquire, inquire. In other words, ask again. And then it says there will be a night and then there will be a day and then there will be another night. Watchman in the Hebrew is the same word in Greek as episkopos, over, skopos is vision, epa is over vision, overseers. I consider you guys to be watchmen on the wall. The purpose of a watchman is not just to guard the vineyard, but to protect the vineyard and then give the vineyard, vineyard nourishment and nurturing. So I know you guys, you have a prophetic voice in this hour. The subject tonight is the church now and the church next. So I want to begin with you, Pastor Miles. I want to ask you, what, as a watchman, what, what do you see right now that is happening? And then give us a look into maybe what you see coming next. Thank you for having me. I don't know if you can hear me okay yeah, or not. We hear you now. Yeah. Had some def difficulties. I'm honored to be on a call with you, man. Totally love Pastor Rick Hawkins. Everybody on this call that knows him knows he's one of the most incredible prolific, profound preachers, man. I honor you. Uh, very honored to be on the call with you and these awesome men of God that I've heard so much about. I know Ronnie. He's a phenomenal guy. I love you, Ronnie. have yet to meet Brandon, but I've heard great things about you, sir. Um, just to touch where I feel what is happening right now, you know, you talk about watchmen and you talk about watchmen on the wall. You talk about uh, what they do. I do believe that we are given an opportunity right now that God is, I look at COVID and what has happened in the last six months. And I look at how it has been identified as a, as a plague, as a pandemic, which is so true. I mean, it's, it's not that it's not real. It's definitely real. Mm -hmm. But the thing with that God began to speak to me is, Hey, I remember him speaking to me and saying, this is not just a plague. I am also using this as a purge. Okay. I'm using this as a way of separating the people that really have the wrong motives in my church. I believe God loves everybody. I believe in the grace of God that goes beyond. And sometimes I'm, you know, us radical preachers can, can kind of look like all we're after is, is, uh, getting you out of hell and, and that's it. And it's it, but to be honest with you, I believe that God takes us from glory to glory, not just grace to grace. Mm -hmm. And I believe the watchman on the wall represents not just somebody who is guarding, but also blows a trumpet. Yeah. Um, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about if, if we, um, if we don't, if we, we, if we're not careful, we'll make an uncertain sound and who's going to prepare for battle. Right. Now I say the word battle very, very cautiously because I think if you look at this from a spiritual context and not a physical context, physical is real, but the spiritual side of this is that there is a territory battle that I believe is happening in heaven. And the reason I believe that is because anywhere you look in the Bible that God, God's people were dealing with territory being taken, the first method of the enemy was to make them hear something that would okay. bring fear to them. Yeah. And I believe that with all my heart that there is a great amount of fear in the world. And I believe that it has also been in the church. 
And I believe in the, you know, when July came, July 1st was a halfway mark. And the Lord said, I have been blurry on purpose. I have allowed myself mm. to be blurry on purpose. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The word of God sometimes is a light. You know, you can see for months what God's going to do. Right. But then the word is a lamp when you can only see a step ahead. Okay. okay. Just a step, just one or two steps to get us to the next place. And I, I can't be... I've got to be transparent with you as a pastor, and I'm sure that, that they felt the same way on this call. It's been very challenging because you've only got the next step. You don't know what's coming out tomorrow. Right. Um, and there's been an incredible amount of fear. And I, you know, just where it is right now, I just believe that that God is is purging some things. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's uncomfortable on purpose. Right. And um, you know, and I won't take much more time. I know we got a lot that's covered, but weed and tares is kind of the analogy that God has really spoke to me about. And if you look at that, it, it looks almost bad that there's there's this wheat and tear that is growing together. But the Bible says that he will separate them at harvest time. So the great part of this is not that we're experiencing such division over what's right or what's wrong. Should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Should we live in fear? Should we live in faith? Should we have wisdom? Should we have faith? All these things, uh, all these things really are just God using for motives to be revealed. Mm -hmm. And it's because the same time that weed and tares are being pulled or, and, and lifted up is, is all also at harvest time. Yep. So the beautiful thing about this season is there is a harvest attached to yes. all the pain that we're going through. Yes. I believe that Pastor Miles and, and talking about weed and tares, you know, the difference in weed and tares, we all know is that they look just alike, but at right. the head of the tear, there's just air. At the head of wheat, there is seed. And when both of them are fully mature, wheat bows down because of the Come potential on. in the head. But tear stands straight up. I believe we are in the hour of 2 Chronicles 7:14, where the Bible says, uh, if my people who are called by my name shall, number one, humble themselves yeah. and yes. pray. And what is happening right now, the polarization is much in regards to pride versus humility. And so I believe that that move of humility among men of God and leaders in this nation is very important. Pastor Ronnie, you were talking to me a little bit about that before we started tonight. Would you like to caveat right there? Yeah, I think, I think that judgment always begins in the house of God. Okay. And, and we can look at what's going on in the culture naturally, but in the spirit, this is a season of God's determined dealing with his church, mm. specifically with the middle of his church. And I think Pastor Miles has it. It's a divisive season. COVID divided us. The racial uh, uh, season that we're in, it's divisive. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that same divisive season is in the body of Christ. God is dividing those in uh, his body, the wheat and the tares, the hot get hotter, the cold get colder, but the lukewarm, this is a determined dealing with the middle mm. of the body of Christ. And I really, I really feel like Pastor Rick, God has ministered to me and I'm still working out how this looks in the culture of our church, but out of Isaiah 60, and I know probably everybody uh, here has felt this, Isaiah 62, uh, says that darkness covers the earth, gross darkness, the people. That's the season that we're in. Right. But we're given the remedy 
for that season in the first verse where it says arise and shine your light has come and the glory of the lord has risen on you and yes. i believe there's a process a prophetic process that god is shifting his church during this time because that first word arise talks about a shift in posture mm. and these are difficult things to talk about um because as pastors we want to see our buildings full we want to see things back to normal i think our the flesh side of us wants to th see things return to the way that they were and i feel like god's fighting with everything to make sure that it never returns to normal that's right the church, the church has to have a posture change and let me let me share what i why i feel that so much of our ministries are and that's why this is hard to talk about our ministry so much of them are are gauged to deal with the people on the periphery mm -hmm. we spend a lot of resources a lot of staff time a lot of programming a lot of effort and energy trying to deal with um those people that are on the fringes mm -hmm. and what we're seeing is we've opened our church and i believe probably about 60 percent of our church has come back to church but what you're seeing is god really do away with the periphery mm -hmm. and say now that you don't have to spend resources and effort and time and energy trying to pacify mm. a group of people that are not connected wow. they're not wow. they're not hand to the plow they're not a part of the people that are pressing forth vision and helping send funds to foreign missions and build oh. the kingdom of god now watch this so our posture has to change from a place of babysitting believers Talk, man. to a place where we reposture our ministries to truly reach the lost and become a part of the missional mandate that God has given us yeah. to disciple people and prepare them for the partnership that God has called them to with his redemptive plan. Mm -hmm. So I think the first shift for leadership, if you're asking me, wh where's God dealing with me? it's okay how now that i don't have to deal with babysitting mm -hmm. how am i going to reposture to start to deal with the redemptive plan how do we reach people how do we bring in the harvest as pastor miles was talking about because i believe this is a harvest time mm -hmm. and then our directive is to shine so yeah. that's a shift in power i wow. believe this i believe this is a season where the church has to return to a steadfast expectation yeah. for the supernatural exploits of god yeah we have got to believe again for the power of god to be released through yeah. us so there's a shift in posture where truly our mission right has to change mm -hmm. there has to be a shift in power yeah. where we start declaring and believing for the supernatural where signs follow the believer arise yeah. and shine and then he says your light has come and god spoke to me about this because what that word light there is really talking about it's a luminary it's revelation it's the revelation uh, yeah and it's a shift in promise right jesus said i came to give you life and life more abundantly and i believe this i believe this is the season for the church to shift into the part of the promise that's beyond the common mm -hmm. the life more abundantly yeah and then that last part it says that 
um, the glory is risen on you. And I think that's a shift in presence. I believe this and I've seen it even uh, since we've opened. There has been a absolute glory yeah. that has rested, even though it's a diminished crowd. But I believe there is some real peculiar shifts mm -hmm. that God is trying to bring. And then you go to the B part of verse number two, and it shows you why these shifts are necessary. Because the Gentiles are going to run. That's right. To the light. And I believe. And that's, that's revival. That's it. And yeah. that's what I believe we're coming out of. Right. I believe if, if there's not sirens going off, if the bells are not ringing, if we're not hitting the floor, yeah. if we've not humbled ourselves beneath the hand of God, something's wrong. Yeah. Because I, I have felt, you know, I need God. I need God uh, today as far as my spiritual leadership like I've never needed it before. There's such a challenge there. You make a That's thousand powerful. decisions a day and set back and hope some of them happen. But I really believe it's a shifting time yeah, it is. for the body of Christ. It's a refocus. I was having problems with the focus on our camera before we came on. And I just... I feel like that's God is refocusing yes, he is. the body of Christ. There has to be a shift of posture. There has to be a shift of power. We've got to shift into the beyond the comma part of the promise. And then we have got to shift into that place of real divine presence. We can't have church like usual. We right. can't teach nice lessons about Jesus and send I, people I back think, to their lives. Yeah, I think we all agree church will never be the same again. Amen. I, and, and the four points you gave is, is very powerful. The first two had to do with positioning and posturing. So I, I believe that we're at a time, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 10, the time of reformation. So before every reformation, there's always revolt. So in this chaotic condition of our nation, I believe we're on the threshold of a great reformation. That posture is found in Luke chapter 13 when Jesus is in the temple and a woman is bent over for 18 years. 10 is the number of full circle. 8 is the number of new beginning. That represents reformation. He calls her into himself. He touches her and her posture changes. Yep. So immediately she's made straight and she begins to glorify God, which is where you ended. Um, I believe we are there. And we're going to get into some stuff in a moment about cycles. Pastor Brandon, I know you stay in your prayer closet. If I've ever met a preacher that prays and seeks God about what God is saying, please feel free to, you know, jump on the back of what Pastor Ronnie just shared and Pastor Miles. These are powerful things you guys are saying. Tell us what God is saying to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just considering uh, everything that has been shared and, and put on the table when the question was posed about the now and the next, I right. think it's it's challenging to overlook when you're considering the now, uh, the climate of racial tension. Yeah, and, uh, I think that we have reached a point where the cry of a people can no longer be ignored, and uh, and I want to stress that word cry because mm -hmm. that's that's really where I want to hone in on for the heartbeat of what I hear prophetically, and I think the cry of Black Lives Matter is no longer a request. I think it's a demand. Mm -hmm. I think it's a demand, not just laterally, but I think it's going to cause a response. That demand is gonna cause a response from our deliverer. Mm -hmm. I believe that that cry, I think it's a part of God's plan. If I think about a people that cried out to God 
from the perspective of how they felt injustice, I see God uh, invoke, wake up something on the inside of Moses that meets that demand. And, and Bishop, you, you said it very well, that, that revolt comes and, and upheaval comes for reformation's sake. And so, mm. especially seeing uh, how all, uh, you know, mentioning that Black Lives Matter does not diminish anyone else's life I, I really think that it's a part of God's plan to level the playing field. So I, I feel the cry prophetically is, is, has God's attention uh, to move. And then I also think, you know, if, if we're talking about the now, we've got to look at the racial tension and then we've got to look at the pandemic. And here's been my biggest concern for this pandemic. Tons of information and seemingly small application. Wow. I am noticing that there is... The, the the almost like the buffet style of breakthrough where i can go to here and click there and i can get tidbits of green beans here and a little small portion of this over there and get that over there but i don't know with all of the information of the non-stop facebook lives i mean you know there, there there are all kind of ordinations now from people that that maybe would not have had an opportunity to share but because the medium has changed and the platform has changed i think that there is now a hunger for information but my fear is if there is information without application you cannot have manifestation wow. you can't wow you have got to put into play something right. that you heard and and not become an internet church junkie with, without invoking some of the principles and the prophetic faith steps that you've heard. And, and that's that's been my heartbeat, is making sure that the application of the information uh, measures up the same. And that's wisdom. By wisdom, a house is built. By knowledge, it's filled with precious treasure. And by understanding, it is established. It, uh, wisdom is the application of what you know and understand. And so... If, if knowledge is information and understanding is revelation, then wisdom is the application of those two things. So I commend you on that powerful insight. Can I go back to something, guys, just for a moment? Pastor Brandon, you kind of opened that door, and I just want to run in there and visit that room for a moment because I think it's very important. When you said the cry, the days of Noah are measured. Luke chapter 17 said, Jesus says, if you want to know what the end of the age looks like, Look at the days of Noah. The days of Noah began in Genesis 4. They, end in, uh, they go through Genesis chapter 8, right? But in Genesis chapter 4, we find something happening, right? This guy named Cain. And the, the voice of God says, the blood of your brother is what? Crying out. Yeah. And every time there's, what did, Jesus, what did God say about the Israelites in Egypt? Their cry, their groan has come up before me. And I believe when a group, an ethnicity, an ethnos begins to cry in the earth, God begins to send deliverance in that moment. And I, I'm, I fully agree with you that for us to stick our head in the sand and ignore what's happening with this whole racial issue. And here's another thing, guys. I'm sorry, I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost here now. I, I, just, I just can't get with 
the fact that preachers are placating and pacifying people with messages right now not addressing the issues that are very right before us and we must mount our pulpits with a prophetic voice of God and give direction for these people. When this thing hit in March, no national voice stood up and said, this is what God is saying. And now suddenly these voices are emerging out of the earth with not only direction, but instruction because progress and movement takes both direction and instruction. And that's happening. I don't want to preach because this is your guy's night, but Pastor Brandon, you lit me up about that thing because my Bible says in Isaiah chapter to that the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and all nations, all yep. ethnos, all ethnic groups shall flow, not force or fight, but flow to that house. So I want to know why are we looking at the White House, the state capitol and every other house for racial reconciliation when the answer is found in God's house. And for mm -hmm. us to put a mask on and act like we don't hear it and we don't see it and hide behind these masks is absolutely ridiculous. Kobe Bryant dying, I'm not saying that was a prophetic moment, but I am saying it was a black man who was a great father. We know that he was a great dad. And what we're lacking in this hour is spiritual fathers that will stand up and dress crucial issues like we are seeing right now and stop acting like it's not happening. And so I commend you for that. And the cry is coming forth. And I'm here to tell you, you got a voice over here that's going to say, you know what? Racism is of the devil. And Amen. I'm looking back. I'm, I'm looking at Satan laughing. He said, I, the, Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And no way are we going to sit back with the anointing of God and allow this to happen. So, Pastor Brandon, thank you for opening that door. And I'm with you, my brother. Let's stand together in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate that. Pastor Miles? Yeah, absolutely. I concur with that. You know, he brought up a great point about, you know, he's talking about Moses and the cry of the people. You know, it's an amazing thing that if you look at the scriptures, God birthed to Moses before the people cried. Mm -hmm. Before there was a cry of the people, yeah. God had already put a deliverer on the earth. Yes. And you talk about having voices. You know, the greatest thing that was so confusing is there were so many voices right now there is there is network voices there's yeah. facebook voices there's yeah. instagram voices there's church voices there's all different kind of voices but there's not a voice that mm -hmm. is emerging um and i have seen just in the last couple of weeks there's an excitement in the people of god because everybody's starting to see this thing for what it really is Mm -hmm. um, I think of also, um, I, and I stand completely with, uh, you know, completely against rather racism. It's just an evil thing that the enemy has definitely uh, used, not just in culture, but in church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the world, uh, Pastor Hawkins, is looking for answers. Yes. And the only answer that's going to be given to them that is an legitimate answer is kingdom unity yes sir when we can just be more than just churchgoers but be kingdom minded that we are not here just because we're gathering because we're republicans or we're democrats or we're we're african-american or we're caucasian 
I, I see that the world would look at us and almost kind of do what they did on the mountain when they came down and Aaron was, he was looking like the world, mm-hmm. creating a golden calf and literally saying, hey, I hope God will, will bless this. And the Bible says this, that he could not restrain his people and he became a laughing stock. You just said it. He became a laughing stock to his enemies. In other mm-hmm. words, his enemies were having a, just just being so just in a place where they were laughing so hard because he was trying to he was trying to meet the needs of the people by looking at what the culture does. Yeah. And I think the culture is looking for answers. And if we're not careful as people of God, we're going to try to emulate what the culture is doing or get inundated with what they're doing that we're hearing those voices instead of the the true voice of God. What does God want to do? Mm-hmm. What is his voice saying? And I truly believe that his voice will not be a vice. Mm-hmm. I think the voices that we hear are very, can be very vicious and can be very, a strong vice on the church and literally suffocate, you know, five, seven, eight, Oh is the Hebrew calendar. And it means the year of, of, of opening your mouth, declaring things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think right now it's an amazing season that even the enemy knows uh, that physically he's putting he's putting covers on people's mouths. It's not that there's not That's wisdom. all prophetic signs. You're right. It's prophetic. It's not that you're not using wisdom or you're not. Uh, people have this bad misconception that you're either in faith or in wisdom. Mm-hmm. And you cannot operate with one without the other in God's kingdom. A lot of people say, well, you've got to have faith to do this. And other people say, well, you've got to have wisdom to do this. Wisdom and faith move together. And and that's what I believe God is doing. He's causing us to see that we can't just be radical people that are just flying off by the seat of our pants, but we're going to have faith with wisdom. Wisdom does build the house. But, you know, I want to look at that as far as, how have we, like Ronnie, Ronnie was saying a minute ago, how have we been building the houses for the last 10 years? Right. What is God calling his people? Mm-hmm. I'm not, scratch that. His leaders. Yeah. What is he doing? He's calling us to the carpet. Yeah. He's saying, I need you to see that what you've been doing is going to have to shift. Right. And you're, you love car. You're, you're a big car guy. Mm-hmm. You know, in a manual transmission, when you shift from one to the other, it's because you're trying to go further. That's right. But in the middle of that shift is a deceleration. It feels like nothing's happening. It actually feels like you're decreasing, yep. but you're really just setting it up Come for on, the man. next gear. Come on. And that's what I believe God is doing. God showed me this word reset. Yep. He said recover, examine, shift, experience, and transform. And July 1 was the shift. It literally was, I'm shifting you from, I've, I've just got done examining you. Uh, the Bible talks about how God, he literally, in the last days, he takes his fork and he throws it in the air. And you, you know, you talked about wheat and tares and the head of the wheat. And really the wheat can't bow unless the wind is blowing. Mm-hmm. And the churches that have been steadfast on the moving of the wind of the Holy Spirit right. are going to have an easier season than they've had in the last 10 to 15 years. And I know these men know what I'm talking about. It just seems like when the Holy Spirit comes, people are saying, what is this? I don't understand this. Yeah. But I believe God is shifting it to now. Those people have stayed true. They've been kept in the dark. They've been in the cellar. 
You know, when I grew up with Pentecost, I grew up with the Holy Ghost, man, moving, and it felt like something shifted, that it was just about winning people to the Lord. And I appreciate that. But just like Ronnie said, and, and, and Brandon, both of them, they were talking about how God is moving us past just raising up people to see Jesus, but also experience what Jesus did. Right. I like what Miles Monroe said, and I'll finish with this. He said, people preach Jesus, but they don't preach they don't preach what Jesus preached. Yeah. And that is kingdom. We've got to give it kingdom. Our unity has to come from God. It cannot come from culture. It has to come from God. If it doesn't come from God, our unity won't mean a thing. Strong, very strong. Pastor Ronnie Joe. I, I, you know, I feel, uh, and I, I think I just keep hearing the word remnant. I think this is a season where God is revealing uh, his remnant church. Uh, I think he's pared the tree back and there is a remnant that is coming forward. I, I preached Sunday out of first Kings 19, uh, where Elijah has just come off an incredible stint of ministry. He's called fire out of heaven and led a national revival. And then he prayed and broke a three and a half year drought. And then the threat came. And I think we've been in the season of the threat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think all of us say this, uh, it's not, life is not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. And I think God is looking at leadership and saying, how are you going to respond to the pandemic, to the racial tension? How are you going to respond? And it's interesting to watch Elijah come off such highs of ministry and then end up in a cave. Mm -hmm. And uh, it feels like that, you know, some of us, had, we've kind of barricaded and, and we're in a place, but it's in that cave that God begins to share his voice. And one of the things that he shares with Elijah that I think is important is he says, I've got 7,000 that have never bowed their knee to Baal. Mm -hmm. And I preach Sunday that what's left is enough. And I believe that yeah, what man. God is going to do in what's left yeah. is so much greater. I feel like the latter house is about to receive glory that the, that the former house never did. Mm -hmm. I think there is an escalating because, and Brandon hit it, because of the cry uh, that has filled the earth, because of the urgency for change mm -hmm. that we feel and we sense, and we're giving expression to that urge the very earth is groaning and travailing for what to witness the manifestation of the sons of god yeah and i believe that is the the bringing forth of the remnant church and i believe one of the characteristics of the remnant church as pastor miles has stated is the holy spirit i think there needs to be a, a resurgence of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that brings unity mm -hmm. in our churches. Come on, man. Still, Sunday morning is one of the most racially diverse uh, times in, in the church world. I'm thankful for a culture uh, in our church that is incredibly diverse um, because I believe that's what heaven looks like. But it is the Spirit that brings those things together. Yeah. It's, the, it's the Spirit that gives us an expectation for true manifestation of the gospel. And I think mm -hmm. uh, Pastor Miles mentioned that, that we're teaching Jesus, but not practicing 
the uh, manifestation, Jesus taught. And I think Paul said, he said, I don't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. I'm not just coming to teach you about the kingdom or about Jesus. I came to manifest the kingdom. Right. I think that's the season the church has to get in that that us men of God have got to get back into where the gifts of the of the spirit become uh, daily practice in our churches where we are raising up people that understand how to move in the gifts of the spirit yes. because i believe it's a season such oppression um has, has brought us into a cave season but here we're hearing the word of the lord we're understanding that there are more with us than there are against us mm. and i believe that what god has left is enough yeah I believe there's still a remnant church that will not bow. In fact, is you know the three Hebrews, they simply stood. They didn't do anything special. Uh, everybody else bowing is what gave credence to their standing. Mm -hmm. And I think right now, if the church will stand for what we believe, if yeah. we'll fight. Amen. If we'll get involved uh, in yeah. the Black Lives Matter movement, if we will, if we will uh, share our sh put our shoulder uh, towards seeing the plague removed, I still believe that there is a remedy to the curse. Yeah, there's absolutely. a cure, and we have it. Yeah, and uh, it, you know it's I our agree. season to manifest it mm -hmm. uh, in the body of Christ. It starts in our settings. It starts in our small settings, and I know some people are at different stages of bringing their churches back. Um, we kind of staged in and on Father's Day invited our church back. Obviously, they're coming back in a very limited way. Um, but I believe that what God's bringing together, whether it's online platforms or it's in-person right. gatherings, we've got to believe for the supernatural, the manifestation of the kingdom. Yeah. I know you guys agree with me that God, powerful stuff, guys. We're going to, we're getting somewhere here now. So I know you guys agree with me that God is cyclical in his nature. He's a wheel within the middle of a wheel. And so cycles are important. Patterns are important. Noah built the ark after pattern. Moses built the tabernacle after pattern. Patterns and cycles are important in scripture. Um, let, me, let me say this to you. I believe we are at the most prophetic moment in church history. Come on. This Amen. is the moment. This, Amen. We, we need to all lift our hands and thank God he trusted us with this season. Yes, sir. He trusted us with this time. He knew what we would do with this time. So knowing that, the question is asked to Jesus in Luke 17, when will the kingdom of God come? And I, I'm going to go back to it. He said it'll be like it was in the days of Noah. Noah preached for 120 years. How many men were in the, how many people were in the upper room? 120. All nations under heaven were there. They, now watch, they heard in their own language. Very important because that's racial reconciliation. You can't speak your language to a language to another people that have no idea what you're talking about. But the Holy Ghost makes the difference. Amen. Are you hearing me, guys? The Holy Ghost makes the difference. The Holy Come Ghost on. allows us to speak to all you people. So 120 there. All right. Now, 120 priests are sounding trumpets in 2 Chronicles 5.12. And one of you mentioned this is the year of the trumpet. Now, Pastor Brandon, 120 is important. 
It's been 120 years since Azusa started, not in Azusa, because Azusa started in Topeka, Kansas. When Charles Parham is preaching in a one-eyed what? Black man is there named William J. Seymour who goes to Azusa, California, 120 years, started in Topeka. Here we are with 120 again. We are there. The cycle is back. You are a Holy Ghost fiery preacher. Ronnie Joe hit on it. Miles hit on it. The need and the desire and the passion for the Holy Ghost to return to our churches. It brings reconciliation. It brings reformation. It, it brings revival. So, Pastor Brandon, talk to us about where we are in this moment in regards to that. Well, I'm so glad that you brought up the Holy Spirit, the power of Pentecost. Um, I personally believe that Pentecost is not the property of a particular people group. Uh, I'll prove that in Acts chapter 10, where somebody outside of the revivalist Peter who preached the first revival about Pentecost, somebody outside of his ethnicity got the attention of God, Cornelius, with alms and prayer. And God has to visit him in a cycle three times. Come on. And he said, listen, you are on top of a rooftop, preacher, and, and you assume that, that the difference, he's up high for a reason, I believe prophetically. He's on top of a rooftop and God has to visit him with this vision about things that are clean and unclean. And then immediately send him with that Pentecostal power to go to a place to visit a man that is not a part of his ethnicity. And so that the power of Pentecost, I believe, because I believe Cornelius already had the faith for it, I think God was trying to do something in Peter to let him know mm. that although you unlock something, it wasn't for you to take ownership of it. Come Don't on. you dare call unclean what is fighting for revival just because it does not have your skin tone. And mm. so I think if Pentecost is going to be our thrust and the fire of God and revival is going to kick a door down for a generation to experience the power of God, I think God is doing something in the hearts of them uh, that are having dream, dreaming dreams and seeing visions. And I believe that that prophetic power is going to resonate in a house, which is where prophetically, Pastor, where we are. Yes. We are not gathering in a building. The Holy Spirit, as it is with this particular example, is trying to knock on door to door as if he's selling Girl Scout cookies. Come on here. Trying to present to families the power and the residency of the Holy Ghost. Because I think, in my personal opinion, we have building idolatry. And right. I think God shut the whole thing down and then is using race reconciliation and the disproportionate ideologies of who deserves God and who does it and who can play instruments for me and who can't. And all of that stuff that has cluttered the power of the Holy Ghost, I think God is wiping the slate clean. Wow. And I think he's trying to have conversations with preachers, with pastors, with prophets, with evangelists. And I think before he moves on to, to another opportunity, I think he is trying to convince some that who you thought was not getting my attention actually is where I'm trying to have a home visit. Mm. And so uh, I think just with the scratching of, of that prophetic Pentecostal moment, I think that's where we are in all compass with racial reconciliation and the pandemic. 
Strong, very strong. Love it. We'll, we'll visit one more thing, guys, and we'll and we'll bring it to a close. Um, man, I, I don't know if you guys are just, you know, I know you're doing more than articulating your mind with logic and analytical processing. I, I think you're feeling the anointing like I am. I pray you are, because this is what we pray for every Monday, that the anointing will come through these streams and Amen. start moving the body of Christ. And, you know, we've seen over 180 people saved through this ministry over the last weeks, and we're thrilled about that. But let, let, let me just say one more thing, and, and we'll, we'll close. And each one of you, I want you to jump on this. When you look at church history, and you go back through church history from the Revolutionary War to now, there was upheaval that preceded every revival. We hit on it earlier, revolt, reformation. In this moment of time, it is very important that pastors share what we've learned. Now, let me talk to you just for a moment. Before Jesus enters his season of suffering, the Bible says he pulled his disciples aside. There in that rendering, the word disciple is learner. Here's what the Holy Ghost told me. We've all been students in the classroom in this season over the last six months, seven months. We've been students. But you can have students in the classrooms, but that does not make them learners. Just because you're a pupil doesn't mean you're learning. Right. Because you're present doesn't mean you're learning. Here's what God told me. Leader... People who are learning in this season will lead in the next season. So if you come out of this and you've not changed as a pastor and a leader and you've not grown and you've not matured in some areas and you've not been pliable in the hand of God for him to do what he wants to do in his season, then we're going to miss the moment that God has given us the occasion to enjoy, not endure, to enjoy. Because I believe the revival we're about to step in is going to come with ease. It's going to become a, it's a, it's a flow. It's not forced. It's not manipulated. It's not fabricated. It's a Holy Ghost invasion. All right? So those same disciples that he said, get ready to learn, is the same disciples that received this endowment of power in that upper room. So in closing, I want you to guys just to, Get in your prophetic peering mode and tell us what you see coming. What We've talked about what's going on, what's now. What's next? Pastor Miles? You know, you touched on it, and man, you, Pastor Rick, you're making my spirit leap. You know, fine wine is kept in the dark, in a cellar, and it's just going to sit there until yeah. somebody opens it up. And the longer it sits, Come on the here. more valuable yes. it becomes. And I believe there's a lot of people that have been kept in the dark that we don't know their name. We don't know of them, but they're coming out. Yeah. Because God's going down and he's picking them. Mm. And he's saying, I have kept you for this moment. Mm. I believe the first miracle of Jesus is a representation of this moment. I have saved the best for last. You spoke 
of one of the greatest things in history is Zeusa. You know, a generation right now don't even know, some of them don't even know that word. And you talk about in Acts 2 when the Holy Ghost fell, that 120, you use that number. Mm -hmm. And I want to touch on that because to get to 120, they started with 500, 380, they weren't hungry enough. They weren't desperate enough. They weren't waiting enough. They didn't have the revelation Come on, and man. they wouldn't sit. Yes. They wouldn't sit and say, God, I will wait until you pour. I'm not leaving until you pour. What mm. you said is coming. I refuse to allow anything yes. to get me out of this house. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I've never been able to understand the man that when the water was being stirred, if I wanted a miracle, my hand would be in the water until it withered, until the water stirred. I'm hungry for something. Mm -hmm. And this thing that you talk about with Azusa Street, Parham and William, white man and black man said, in different states at the same time, about a hundred years from now, this is prophetic and it's all over Google and you can read it. About a hundred years from now, the world will see the greatest revival it has ever seen. My God. They said it in two different states. They weren't on phone calls. They didn't have telegrams to, to, to talk to each other about it. The Holy Spirit dropped it in a white man and a black man. And I think it's very, I think we should take note of that because of the racial tension that we're experiencing that he said about a hundred years from now, that was 1909, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. And we are living in that about season yeah. that maybe God has graced us. But, and I want to finish with this. This is something that somebody in our church did a study, and I said, you're on to something. And so we both did a study. Listen to this. You talk about cycles, and I'm, I'm done. I'm just getting excited, and I know there's Come two on, other people got to say something. You're good. Jim Rayleigh said something when he was on a call with me, and he came to preach in, a few weeks ago, and he said, our revenge for COVID, our revenge for the last six months is going to be revival. Yeah. That's what our revenge is going to be as a church. Yeah. We begin to look at the viruses. 1793, a yellow fever. 1793, the first great awakening. 1832, cholera virus. 1832, Charles Finney begins to preach and have massive awakening. 1857, scarlet fever. Beardsley revival happened and strong political upheaval Talk, man. began to happen. Come on. 1906 to 1909, typhoid. William Seymour starts his revival, the Sunderland revival. You see uh, Smith Wigglesworth getting baptized and 14 people raising from the dead during that season. 1918, a Spanish flu. Jack Coe was born and Amy Simple McPherson begins to launch revival all over the nation. 1921, diphtheria happens and Jack Troop and the Fisherman's Revival shows up and begins to see thousands of people getting saved. In the 60s and the 70s, you find swine flu, you find H1N1, and you see Billy Graham emerging. You see the Asbury College emerging. You see Catherine Kuhlman emerging. You yeah. see Oral Roberts emerging. So what does this mean? Psalms 145 says this, I wanna do something for one generation so that they can send the praises of my God to the next generation. Mm. Every generation has been able to see, I have seen God's hand at work and I have seen God and I've seen him move. But in this season, God is saying, this is your time. 
Come Ronnie on. Ronnie said it great when he said, he said, behold, darkness covers the earth, gross darkness. He says, but the Lord will arise. The Lord does not arise over his people until you find Isaiah 61, where it says, arise and shine for behold, the great, there's opportunities coming. Arise, get up, shine, get loud because I want to arise. God wants to arise, yes. but he's looking for us to arise first. Yes. And when we get up, and I have to remind everybody of this scripture because it's so important. Paul said, do not forsake the assembling That's of right. yourselves as you see the day approaching. There's yeah. a reason that the enemy doesn't want us together. The devil is not afraid of a building. Right. He's afraid of a gathering. Yes, man. Because when we get together, we are more powerful. That's why there's so much division. That's why there's so much distraction. Because God said, the enemy is saying, I don't want them together. Because if they ever get together in this season, I know my time is short and I won't be able to accomplish what God has called me to accomplish or what the enemy, what I want to accomplish. I got a little preachy there, but the enemy is really wanting to accomplish some things very strong. And if we don't come back together, whether it's streaming or whether it's in a building, I'm telling you, I have never seen such anticipation yeah. and expectation in the people of God. The small remnant that come is on. beginning to come back and flooding, they're coming with their hands lifted. Come on. They're coming with a praise in their mouth. They're shouting like they've never shouted before. They're running around the building. They are wreaking havoc in the building. The building cannot contain this next level of glory yeah. that God is putting on his people. Amen. I'm glad you got preaching because that's what I wanted you guys on here to do. <laughs> I, I want you guys to come doing. with it, man. I'm not, we're not here on this Monday table talk to have, you know, dialogue that is just whatever. I don't, I don't want that kind of discourse. I, I brought you guys on here because I know you have that prophetic edge about you and you just prophesied and we're going to declare and decree what you just said. That the glory that is about to be revealed is going to be greater than any glory we have ever seen in the history of church. In yes. Jesus' name. Powerful chronological order. Uh, that you walked through concerning outpourings of God's Spirit. 1968 was a very, the most turbulent year in American history was 1968 until now. 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. Robert Kennedy was assassinated. Those men, so watch one, two governmental strong voices, one in the Spirit, one in politics, were slain in that year. And that year turned about out to be one of the greatest turning points in spiritual, uh, the spiritual manifestation of the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm getting like you, I'm getting excited too. Because after that, we launched into the Jesus People Movement where blue jeans and t-shirts were the attire of the sanctuary. What's that look like today? Man. Box guitars, suits are out, jeans Come are on. in, everyone's casual, and there was a move of God. This, and, and while 1968, Jesus people happening, white guys, long hair, box guitars, a, a songwriter comes out of California. His name is Andre Crouch in yeah. 1968. No one has ever heard of him, and his title of his album is Take This Message Everywhere. So do you see that now the cycle has come again? My God, I want to run around this sanctuary right here. Brothers, we are on the preface of the greatest move of God we've ever seen. Amen. What's next, Pastor Ronnie? Well, I, I want to uh, just lean in a bit uh, to what Pastor Miles was saying. I think it's a fight for disciplined devotion. We've talked a lot about this 
with our staff and leadership and our church. It's a fight for disciplined devotion. And I think there is where God is distinguishing the Marys and the Marthas. I think we're coming out of a very religious Martha season and we're entering into a very uh, prophetic, worshipful, um, where you were talking about learners and preparing the next uh, generation. Those who will be the teachers, the learners today will be the teachers tomorrow. And I think it's those people that are falling at his feet and choosing the best part in mm. this season, which is, you know, to be careful. Obviously, we have to listen and we have to learn what's going on in the culture. And uh, we, we've had to learn how to deal with the pandemic. And now we're fighting the, the racial fight and standing with those in our congregation that are that are hurting. But what I'm seeing is a whole lot of Marys that are falling at the feet of Jesus and saying, look, we've tried the religious route. Now we want to lean in and we want to worship our way to the best part. Yeah. And that's preparatory for what God wants to do in the future. I believe it, uh, just as you said it, Pastor Rick, and I want to thank you again for uh, having us and uh, giving us a platform and an opportunity to share together. I've certainly learned and been challenged tonight. Incredible. But night. I'm watching people fall in the presence of God to seek the face Rick, of God. No and that is Come what on, is man. preparatory for tomorrow. Yeah. It, it's not it's not the religious it's not the ritual it's not the way come on man those are not important the important thing is that we begin to fall in the presence of god to like david say one thing now i've narrowed my life down i've cut the fat the church has cut the fat and mm -hmm. it's one thing now that we desire and that is to be in the house of the lord in the presence of the lord to be impacted by the power of God. I think right now we've got to challenge people to choose the best part. And that is to, to lay at his feet. Prepared for that partnership, that redemptive partnership that God has called us all to. This is harvest time, but we need harvesters. Yes. That's man. what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, look, look to the fields. They're white. But what should we be praying for? Marys that will lay in the feet of God, at the feet of God and be prepared for their partnership with Christ. We've got to partner with God's redemptive passion. Yeah. And I feel like that's the posture the church has to move back to. I think you're right, Pastor Rick. We do have to have people that are at the feet of Christ learning because they're going to be leading. Yes. I believe those are the 7,000, the remnant that God has yes. brought together. We're what's left. That yeah. best wine Pastor Miles was talking about. Those are the Marys that are worshiping Receive their way to revelation and to manifestation. Yes. Powerful. Man, you about had me run around here. Now listen. When will the kingdom of God come? Right? That's the question to Jesus. Jesus said it'd be as the days of Noah. Days of Noah start in Genesis chapter 4. You, talk, you, keep, you guys keep going back to this. The presence of God. The presence of God. That's what's essential. That's what's paramount. Yes. That's most important. We keep going back to that, right? Well, in Genesis chapter 4, you're going to read that Cain moved away, not from property, he moved away from the presence of God. 
Cain left the presence of God. When you leave the presence of God, you lose dominion. So good. When you leave the presence, you lose dominion. And that's why God had to find a dominion man. And he found him a kingdom man. He found him in Noah. Because Noah was the redeeming agent of dominion in the earth. Because when he comes out of the ark, God speaks to Noah the exact words he spoke to Adam. Be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion in the earth. But I'm telling you, that dominion could only be restored when God could find a man that understood his presence. Guys, I agree with you. There has to be a wholesale return to the presence of God. Cain left the presence. And when you leave the presence, you lose dominion. And the body of Christ has got to get back to the presence. Seasons of refreshing come from where? The presence of God. And that's where we need to get back to. Pastor Brandon, speak to us. What's next? Yeah, I I think uh, prophetically what's next, you know, kind of touching on what Pastor Ronnie just hit and and what you just hit, sir, is uh, very similar. and, And probably I can find it in John 11. And it's the story essentially to me about expectation. Uh And Mary and Martha have an expectation of Jesus to do something for them based off of their need, based off of who they want to be saved. But there is something inside of Lazarus that's not in anyone else. Mm. And what it's doing is is it's killing the body. There is something on the inside of Lazarus that is killing the body. And Jesus is willing to disappoint their expectations to let an old thing, a sick thing, die out. So good, Pastor he expects to come and to do what he's going to do now. Wow. Now, this hits home for me, and this is where I think God is growing up believers so we don't squander a revival. This hits home for me because I remember the last 10 months praying the, the thing that Job was hoping wouldn't happen, the thing that I feared the most came, came upon, upon me. Mm-hmm. And I remember believing God to do something for Zoe. And when he did not seemingly do it like I expected, what it did was it made me revisit the presence of the Lord. And now I had to ask a question, if you're strong enough to heal and you did not, what did I miss? Mm. What did I do wrong? Was I not praying? Were you negligent? Has our time together come to an end? And I don't think any of that is the case. I think God was trying to recalibrate my expectation not to crumble if he doesn't do what I tell him to do. Wow. Now, I understand declaring, and, and, and I believe it. I believe in edification, exhortation, and comfort. I believe in the power of prophecy. I do. But there, there must be a sobering factor on the inside of the believer that says some things. You, the Bible prophesies that God and I are not always going to see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. So there will be moments in his sovereign dealings where he may move outside of my formula. And I think the body of Christ had become lackadaisical with the formula of what they thought is blessing. Two plus two is spouse. Three plus three is healing. And I think God smashed that thing in half, showed up late on purpose because I think it is a part of his determined dealing because if, if we look at it, revival and resurrection running parallel have similar definition. And I think if God is about to step up to the tomb 
of the people who had broken expectations because you can't have revival and miracles without the proper expectation. But I think almost like a filthy lucre, like this merchandise of the gospel have, had come upon some. And I think God is saying, you know what? I'm gonna do this thing in my timing, but I gotta reset your expectation. So I know you're accusing me, Martha, if I would have shown up when you said, but I'm about to prove to you, resurrection is not the last day, it's today. Mm. And if you're gonna perceive that, that I am what you're looking for, you're about to see something that you've never seen before. So I think God is, is going to properly place the expectations of his people so that we don't squander the revival or the resurrection that's on the way. Strong. Glory to God, man. You guys brought it tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude with this. Just jumping on what you said, Pastor Brandon. You were prophesying. You guys have let us look into the future with great hope and expectation. Thank you for the encouragement. You said something strong about filthy lucre. You know what I believe about you three guys? You ain't in this for money. <clears throat> Gehazi lost a mantle because he was more interested in the money than he was the mantle. So we've got a buried mantle because of a wrong motive. The mantle still had the power, and we know that because when the dead man was thrown in there, he touched that mantle and came back to life. When men of God get their priorities wrong and we're more interested in the money than we are in the mantle, we're going to lose the move, the movement of God. So good. So good. So good. I believe in you guys. There's not a Gehazi in this crowd. There's only Elisha's here. Second thing you hit on, Lazarus. Revelation tells me that the ministry of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So Jesus was noted, his ministry was noted by the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is not just foretelling, it's telling forth. So the spirit of prophecy is this. Jesus saying, this shall not end in death. He never said he wasn't going to die. He just said that's not going to be the end. So we have good. seen things die, brothers, but it's not the end. Amen. It's not so the good. end. Our that's best day is in front of us, and you're going to find him sitting in a chair in John chapter 12, and people come into the house, and the Bible says they did not only come to see Jesus. The Bible right. says they came to see Lazarus. Right. Oh, my God. There's a generation that wants to know who the remnant is that's going to survive this season. And I'm telling you, they're going to come and watch us live. They're going to come and watch us laugh. They're going to come, they're going to come and enjoy what we have been enjoying. Guys, I speak to you. I pray for you. I prophesy to you. Your days of ministry are in front of you the greatest days you've ever experienced. I speak multiplication, advance, increase, abundance, harvest of souls, growth, and success to yes. all of you. Thank you so much for your impartation tonight, your information, your inspiration. You guys were powerful men of God. We celebrate you, and we thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Love you, too. Love you guys.